0: You're listening to Board Game Bitch. I'm your host, Victoria Fraser, and we're going to talk about all things board games. Let's get started. Hello, folks. It's me, your girl, Tori. I'm back. Welcome to episode number three of Board Game Bitch. Apparently, I'm feeling energetic today and making weird voice sounds. Um, yeah, BGB, back at ya. that's the acronym, trying to get to catch on. Uh, not to be confused with BGG, Board Game Geek, different thing. Then I would be a big deal, but I'm not. I'm but a small board game podcast still. Um, I've got more opinions and advice for you today. We're going to talk about a very well-known game that I really love called Pandemic. I hope I didn't shout that too loudly, sorry. <laughs> uh, this is a really good choice, I thought, because we're currently living in a pandemic, so why not play Pandemic, right? It's funny. Um, in a sad way, <laughs> it's also a very well-known game in the board game community. But um, outside the board game co- board game community, I think it's still kind of gaining popularity. Um, yeah. So here's a description from the Z-Man Games website of what you like the premise of what the game is. As skilled members of a disease-fighting team, you and other players work together to create to keep the world safe from outbreaks and epidemics. Only through teamwork will you have the chance. Only through teamwork will you have a chance to find and create a cure. Um, So, you know, establishes it pretty off the bat what the point of the game is. Um, And that it's... um, Well, I'll talk about the mechanics next. Uh, First, it was published in 2007. So it's been around a while now. And it was designed by Matt Lecoq, who is a fairly well-established board game designer. He's made some other games, but this is definitely one of his more famous and, like, well-known ones. Um, And, brief but related tangent, uh, while I was researching for this episode... I found out that apparently matt donates five percent of his design royalties for pandemic products directly to doctors without borders um and for some reason it was in french on the wikipedia page which was funny uh, also known as Sans Frontières. so there you go i used to donate to them actually so they're a really good charity and that's pretty fucking dope that you can buy a board game and also support charitable causes right i feel good about that um okay let's get some dragon out of the way and talk about the types of board game mechanics that are in this game Pandemic is a cooperative board game with variable player characters, area movement, and card events. That sounds like a lot, but it's pretty simple, and I'll break it down for you. So cooperative board games are ones where it is the group of players working together to achieve a goal. Basically it's the group versus the game. Um, pretty common now, and they've been around before a while, but um, still like relatively unique uh, as a mechanic, and I really like it. I love cooperative board games. There's some really good ones out there. Um, and this is definitely one of them. Another thing that we talked about before also applies here, which is variable player characters. Again, um, this is when you have a role that has a unique power or ability that other players do not have. Um, and that actually, because of pandemic being cooperative, you know, it really lends itself to the, to working together. Cause you know, I could do something that you can't do um, because there's common actions that everyone could do, and then there's also like special actions actions that your role allows you to do. Um, so that's pretty cool. I think that works really well together. And it also has area movement, uh, so that's basically when your players or pieces on the board can move around the board because it's a world map. That's a pretty obvious mechanic, and a lot of games have that. But that's like one of the primary, I'd say, like things going on here. And then finally, uh, this mechanic is just like events. But I specifically decided to name it card events because I think a lot of games have card events where you have like a deck of cards that have special cards that can trigger things to change. Um, so I I think that events can be also triggered by dice in other games. Uh, but this one, it's specifically cards. That's why I'm calling it that. Um, as I've said before, terminology and words for mechanics and board games is not consistent there's no board game degree to my knowledge i mean that would be so cool and i would totally sign up to learn how to make board games uh, but there's no like there's some standards across the in- industry for sure I'm, i i I would hope and i imagine that there is but there's also like you know it as with everything how you market it um and how the publishers decide to categorize it so the main things on on the games that it's cooperative and like everyone has different character rules. The area movement and the card events are just kind of things that I'm using to explain to you how the game works more specifically and also from my own knowledge of trying to see how these mechanics work into board games and learning it myself um, out of curiosity because I'm I'm a board game player but I'm not a board game designer so fun fact I actually played in a pandemic tournament a couple years ago at a convention and I did not win. I don't even think I did very well at all but I did compete once, so I think that was kind of funny. I thought I'd share that with you guys. <laughs> I lost. I lost very badly. But it was fun. Um, tournaments are pretty cool. They actually, and if you are, like, super new to the board game community, you have no idea. There are tournaments where they will fly you from, like, wherever you live to bigger tournaments. Um, I think Catan has a tournament in, like, Ontario. Like, a national event where like the best katana players can win like money and stuff i mean it's already pretty cool to get a free flight and just to go play board games with other people but yeah there's like stuff like that and that's pretty cool i'd like to eventually learn more about that and just for fun more so i'm not that competitive in the sense that i think i would ever be very good (laughs) let's talk about how to play um so before you actually can play you have to set up the board for in this you everyone has to place their pawn so you have like a colored pawn that corresponds to your card like the dispatcher the card's purple and that character has a purple pawn so you put that in atlanta um everyone once you've matched it and put them there you've also built a research station there right off the bat and then that's our outbreak marker is at zero which is doesn't make sense because i'm just saying things to you that are meaningless but later on you might you'll understand a little better um Again, another fun tidbit, uh, the CDC is in Atlanta, and that's actually why you start there. So I thought that was kind of cool. Again, I don't know. I like how board games have relevant things to the world and like are, are based in, in reality. It's kind of cool. So you also have two types of card piles. There are player cards and there are infection infection cards. You're going to draw a certain number of cards into your hand. or Well, everyone will have a certain number of cards in their hand to start based on how many players, because that's going to make it easier and whatnot um and then you're going to draw i think six cards just from the infection pile to infect the world to like decide which cities are having outbreaks first because obviously there's pandemic going on and you need to solve it once you've got that set up it's pretty simple you decide who goes first by seeing which player was sick last which is again kind of funny um i don't remember that but there you go once you actually play on your turns you have like three phases first you take four actions and there are eight different choices that you can take uh, moving around curing things Uh, creating a vaccine, building research stations, trading cards with each other, which is called sharing knowledge. Um, There's a a cheat sheet that has has the eight actions on it that's double-sided, so you can easily, you know, figure out what you want to do on your turn. So take four actions, then you draw two cards at the end of your turn, and you will then draw the infection cards. So that's kind of the three phases. Um, Your character will have special powers, so you might have extra actions on top of what everyone else can do. Or maybe your character just can do certain actions differently than other people. So be, be aware of that and make sure to read your cards carefully. Um, yeah. The cards in your hand, the player cards that you draw, are cities and they help you build stations and also help you fly around and move more efficiently. Um, and they're also what you need to cure the disease. Or, well, n- not to cure it, but you can just cure There's curing and there's treating. So when you treat the disease, you just kind of like take a cube off the board When you cure it, you, like, create the vaccine and, like, that's really good because that's actually how you solve the game. Which, obviously, I need to tell you how to win the game. Um, You create the vaccine for all four diseases on the board. That's pretty easy. That is the only way to win the game. How to lose the game? there is a couple ways. So if, because there are four different diseases with four different colors, if one cube uh, runs out or one color runs out of cubes, that is, like, your toast because that disease has gotten so out of hand that you now can't possibly contain it. Um, another way to lose is if an eighth outbreak occurs, so an outbreak, I didn't really go into, but basically when you're infecting the world, you basically draw cities and you put colorful cubes matching that city into those areas. And if there's three cubes on a city, it explodes it outbreaks when you try to add a fourth because you can't have more than four. And if that happens eight times, you're dead. Um, there's like an outbreak marker, which I mentioned at the start, it starts at zero and it ends up at, um, like, the skull indicator or something, uh, which obviously means you're dead. And I think if you're changing the difficulty, you can start that higher, and there's a lot of different ways. You can actually change this game to be more difficult, depending on how you set it up at the beginning. Um, And then finally, the third way to lose, which is probably more likely, um, is that you just run out of cards in the player draw pile. So when you draw more cards for yourself, there's none left to draw you're kind of done. You're like, oh, the game's over. So that is really good to keeping it time boxed. That's how you play the game. That's how you lose the game and win. That's all you need to know. More or less, there's more details I could get into, but I'm trying to keep it, you know, concise and simple to understand so that you can know what I'm referring to later on and kind of how it works when I critique it. Okay. Speaking of critiquing it, let's talk about my opinions on this board game. Why I love it. Why I don't so love it. Um, Pros of the game. There are a number of reasons I think this is a great game. I got like, four here that I figure I'd talk about. First of all, I really like the theme. I think it works well with the mechanics. You've got a big map, uh, roll cards, decent artwork. Uh, there's little tokens for the research t- stations that kind of look like the Monopoly houses or something. Like, they're cute. For creating vaccine, there's, like, a little vial. Also kind of fits with the theme and, like, is nice. Um, and the cubes for the disease are colorful and fun, you know. It's a solid theme, and I think... playing the game and doing the things work well together i know that's kind of confusing to say but sometimes you play a game where the mechanics are so irrelevant from the actual play like theme that it's something worth talking about because i think sometimes people forget about it um yeah anyway i like it works well together uh cooperation oh and also good title pandemic easy to remember simple fits it love it anyway uh cooperation is another thing I love cooperative board games. I think working together, um, everyone versus the game is really fun. And if you have a group of people you play board games with, maybe they're pretty competitive, and people can be a sore loser or someone wins all the time. Uh, playing a cooperative board game is kind of a nice way to break up that like social dynamic, because instead of it's like everyone being against each other and like attacking whoever's in the lead or whatever, like a Munchkin or whatever, um, it's more of a cooperative experience, and it's just I don't know, it's more fun to win together, and then like you're actually helping each other. I like it. It's good. It's awesome. Quadruff games are fantastic. That's part of why I picked this because it's another major major genre of board game that I really love. Um, another thing I love about it, a uh, third reason I think it's really good, is time. Um, it is time boxed very well, and I kind of touched on it a couple of minutes ago, uh, but I think the length is really good because you have, like, one of the ways you lose is you run out of player draw cards. So it never really drags on and goes on for too long. The game ends. When the game ends, it's you can see it coming if you still haven't solved all, gotten all four cures yet, Uh, but I think it's never more than about an hour or so. So, good time length, not too long. I like that. I don't have to like plan for it to be a you know two three hour block of time where I'm just like brain dead. (laughs) And then finally, reason number four I like it is simplicity, which might seem like a downside, and it actually kind of also is, but. Um, in this case, because it's a co-op game and cooperative games are kind of a weird genre for people who don't play board games. They're like confusing and people like are intimidated by them. Um, I think this is a great one to get people into cooperative board games because it's pretty simple. You have only four actions you can do in a turn and you draw cards. It doesn't take too long and you know, you can kind of see the different options you have, but there's always like two or three good choices. Um, so I think the simplicity of it makes it very, uh, accessible to people who are just getting into board games or who have never played a co-op game before ever and they're like "Ah, how do I play this um so I think it's just the right amount of, of like complex while also being uh, simple but yeah there's there is enough going on that I think it's a fun interesting game and um, you can play it with like a diverse group of people and yeah so the reasons I'm not always a big fan of this game <laughs> or I'm critiquing it anyways um uh, there is like Five things I think are worth talking about. So first off, um, this is a very minor, but I figured I would talk about it, is the components. I I know I just said I like the theme and some of the other pieces in the game, uh, but a number of people in different reviews I've read have pointed out that the cubes, which represent the disease in the city, like a person getting sick from patient zero, um, are not, I don't know, exciting or something. Um, And I kind of get it. Like, it would have been more fun and fitting with the theme if, like, the components were, like, a little kind of amoeba-like thing, right? If it looked like a little, what's the word, like a little bacteria or, like, a little virus. That would be kind of cool. It'd be cute and it'd be like, ooh, look at the little, little white bacteria in the board. Like, that would be kind of cool. Um, but there, it's a board game and a lot of board games you have to use your imagination with little cubes or meeples to represent something else. So I don't think that it's a huge critique, uh, but I have played Pandemic Legacy and... Uh, because of that, I have seen other ways that they've done components in other versions and I'll kind of be like, oh, I mean, this is more pleasant than using a cube. So I'm going to say like, I kind of agree with that point. Just the cubes, everything else is fine components wise. Um, I have no complaints, but I kind of see that. I get it. I don't totally care either way. Personally, I'm like, I can use my imagination. It's just cubes and also there's like 96 of them. So It's a lot. Like, I can see why they wouldn't waste time making them all very fancy. If they did, like, a special edition where, like, they were little viruses, that would be awesome, and that'd be kind of fun, and I'm sure people would pay money for it. But, anyways, um, in fact, I don't even think I've played a lot of the expansions. Maybe the expansions have better components that are more interesting um, and creative and less kind of using your imagination. But, again, it's a board game. You use your imagination in a lot of games, and I don't think people critique other games. So, this one I think people are critiquing just because there's not a lot to critique in Pandemic, and so... That's kind of why they're being so nitpicky, I guess. Um, Anyway, I honestly did not care until I read the reviews. and I was like, oh, I guess they have a point. (laughs) So uh, that's one issue with it. Minor, but, you know, it is. Um, Second reason uh, I, you know, don't love this game all the time is it has a low replayability. And if you listen to the first two episodes, I really like replayability. I think that's very important. And I think that, unfortunately, (laughs) Pandemic is not the best at that um so initially when you first play it and, and you know you can win and lose so you can kind of keep replaying it until you win also there's other roles so you can be a different person each time and kind of experience the game from a different perspective or point of view and do different actions um, and actually in 2013 they did release two new roles like character roles called the contingency planner and the quarantine specialist which kind of helped add to that replayable replayability factor however Even so, I still got very bored, and I don't play this game as much anymore. Um, This might be a personal thing for me, because I lean towards complex games like Cosmic Encounters, or Gloomhaven, or Terra Mystica. Like, very (laughs) complex board games that have a lot more going on. Um, I have also played Pandemic Legacy, which involves playing it once a week for, like, months. And I probably overdosed it when I did that, actually. Um, so, after playing Pandemic Legacy, was it's, like, way more complicated. Pandemic is a lot more boring. Um, so, just, just, yeah, just saying. But, again, all that aside, if you're dipping your toes into cooperative board games, this is a very good one to start with. Um, also, there are expansions, and I don't think I've played any of them. I might have played one a long time ago. Um, uh, but there are a number of expansions. So, I think that if, um, if I got some of those, then that might help me play it more or want to play it more because so I think there might even be a traitor one. I don't know. Anyway, um, Pandemic on the base game is not the most replayable and a lot of reviews and people comment on that and say like, okay, we played it for a bit. Now we're kind of bored with it. So I'd say you could probably play it like 30 to 50 times and then you'd probably start to get bored of it because that's probably how many times I played it before I got really bored of it. I did play it quite a lot when I first started playing it like five, six years ago um, and I did like it on the regular so you know I don't know how many times it would pl- you could play it before getting bored but I think there is certainly a number and I think other games don't have that um, that I that I like to play so I think this one is is definitely I'm I'm I've worn out I'm no longer as interested anymore but I still love it okay third reason and this is actually a bigger one that this game has some problems is the alpha player problem um and that is pretty common in board games or cooperative board games anyways and basically one player is more vocal than everyone else and unintentionally or intentionally dictates other people's turns and you know tells them what to do for the sake of the group it sucks because then your turn is not your turn Um, and people who have different personalities can clash if you're all introverts and there's like one extrovert they're just going to play the game by themselves basically by telling you what to do your turn is your turn don't let other people tell you what to do and i've had to stand my ground before and say no I appreciate your idea, but I'm doing this because I think it's a better idea. Um, so that's of course hard if you're a quiet person, but I, it's not fun if if you're not having fun, you're allowed to tell people you're not having fun. This is a board game. You should be having fun. So don't let people do that and take that away from you. So that is an issue with this game and other cooperative games in general. Um, but you, know, you just gotta figure out ways for yourself on how to do that. If that's playing with a different group of friends Kicking out the one friend who sucks, calling them out on it, and hoping that they do better next time, you know, find a solution and, um, and do that. Okay, another reason, um, another critique of this game that uh, I have seen in, in some forums and threads is that the medic is overpowered. Um, that's one of the character roles. They can treat diseases very easily So most of the time people have to spend one action to take one cube off the board The medic can take like three cubes off one city. So if there's like a city. It's about to outbreak. BAM. It's basically cured. That's great That's crazy. Um, it's overpowered. I can agree with people pointing that out and I do think that they have a point um, Some solutions are to take the medic out of the game because it makes it too easy um, I don't think that's the solution when people like to mess with board games to, because they're quote-unquote broken, I don't know. I just have to question, like, is it really broken or are you just being stubborn? Like, the designers made this game. They've tested They've tested it probably tons of times and they had their reasons for it. I'm sure if you played it in hard mode, you didn't have the medic. You would be so upset. Like, maybe that's the overpowered role that you need like a two-player one I don't know um I don't I don't really believe in like destroying things of a board game and just completely like writing it off it's just silly to me unless it was like crazy broken but that would probably be something that was not published by a publisher like something like super indie and a kickstarter then maybe you might homebrew it and make your own rules I don't know up to you but uh, that is what some people do I would say keep the medic obviously don't rip up the card for the love of god (laughs) always keep your cards um don't just throw it away (laughs) But if there's a younger player or you're ever playing with a group and, like, one person is, like, super afraid of being bad at it, uh, give them the medic. That is a, a great solution because you're playing the game. They get a, a fun character that is fun to play because, you know, you're constantly healing things and you, like, feel like you're doing things actively. Um, and it makes it easier to win, which, again, I don't know. Some people apparently want to challenge when they win. Play with the medic, don't play with medic, up to you. But it is maybe a little more powerful than some of the other roles, and some people have pointed that out, and they are not incorrect, but they are silly to take it out of the game, <laughs> in my opinion. Okay, and finally, this is the fifth thing I want to talk about, is that it is outdated. So, technically, yes, it's it's a over, yeah, it's over 10 years old, oh my god. Um, pandemic's been around a while, I t- talked about that at the beginning. Um, there are better co-op games that exist out there now, and I agree, a lot of people do think this is outdated and no longer play it. Um, I mean, technically, I am one of them. I haven't played it in a while. Um, but it was one of the first co-op games in recent years that hit it really big. It won a fuck ton of awards, and it sparked a new interest in like the cooperative games genre. And a lot of great ones followed it. Um, obviously, I, it is not the first co-op game. Um, the first successful ones... It's one of the first successful ones, I think, that like helped to revitalize that style of board game, but many existed before it. Um, D&D is technically cooperative. It's not a board game, but it is a, you know, tabletop RPG. Um, Shadows over Hamlot and other, uh, I think there's another wizard one. I forget what the wizard one's called. It might even just be called wizards. Um, there's lots of like D&D fantasy style cooperative games kind of inspired by D&D that came out um, and are co- were cooperative in like 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, though A lot of those games, have a lot of other mechanics going on that doesn't make them appealing to someone who's just getting into board games because it's just so complicated. So you can't even focus on just the cooperative mechanic because there's so many other mechanics going on. I think Pandemic, as I said, in one of the pros of it being simpler, makes it easier to play with people and like an easier way to get into cooperative board games to sort of understand how they work and maybe how to interact with each other and not take other people's turns away from them by telling them what to do. Um, also before pandemic, um, games that were one player versus everyone else did exist. Those aren't cooperative, but there's a cooperative element to it where maybe, you know, three or four players are working together to find one player. Scotland Yard, airport security. Um, I think it was called that. There is a board game that I know my aunt owns. Basically the Sheriff of Nottingham, but you're in an airport. Um, it's not amazing because it's pretty old but I do remember playing it a long time ago. <laughs> it's real, but I couldn't find existence on the internet. I'd have to go find it anyway. So from my research that I could tell, feel free to correct me, but there seems to be a bit of a lull in like the nineties to like 2008 when pandemic, um, came out. I think also space alert came out at the same time, uh, but pandemic really showed off wild people. Um, and because of it, again, like I mentioned, it was simpler. It kind of, I think was more successful than other cooperative board games. Um, I just think it it was a major, an extra boost, you know, like maybe the popularity of them kind of was stagnating at that point or not very popular. And then it was like, oh, cooperative games are great because now there's Betrayal in the House on the Hill, which is a great cooperative board game. Oh, there's a bunch. Cooperative board games, pandemic is now outdated and probably not the most fun and simpler than other ones, but it was a key board game in the genre and I think we should still respect it for that. Um those are my critiques. There's <laughs> a bit of a ramble there. But you know, I'm still working out the podcast kinks, guys, and figuring out the order of operations, so this seems to be how I've decided to lay it out today. <laughs> Alright. Now we've talked about that, we can get into another very fun part about the board game is talking about strategies. Uh you wanna win the game, don't you? You wanna know you know how to play, now you gotta know how to win. Um so I got a couple of strategies or just tips here really to talk about. Uh first of the roles this is just a reminder to use your special abilities, and it's important if you're playing for the first time to just know what your character does and use their ability. Um, it'll help you in moments of need, and you know it's also just fun to do something other people can't. Makes you feel special. Another thing that I want to talk about is special player cards. So in the player card pile, you have special cards that kind of let you do special actions, like build a free research station or have a quiet night where no disease comes out. I think you can also see the future or something. Um, and you like get to see what's on top of the infection pile. So these are good cards. Um, the special player cards are special. You shouldn't use them right away. I think people think that they need to use them right away. But it's better to hold on to them when you need them to get out of a bad situation. Right? Because I think on the card it says you can use it at any time. Which means you can use it like the very moment that you need it. Um... So that's one of the just on those. Um, now, this, this last one's not really a strategy. This is more just like a little reminder. Set up the game properly. Um, so when you were creating the infection pile, you actually have to... You can kind of do it wrong. And I've, I have played a game where that happened wrong, and then we kind of, you know, screwed ourselves over. If you, like, set up the deck so you have to put it into, like, three piles, and you put the epidemic cards, which are the ones that cause a major outbreak. Um, if you put them in and then you take t- six from the top, then you've already gone six down. Right. Um, then it's no longer as evenly distributed. So you might get an outbreak like really quickly. Um, so make sure you just follow the rules and do that correctly. Cause otherwise it might make it more difficult for you. And especially if it's your first time playing that would stink. Um, that's just on, that's just that note. It's just kind of not really a strategy. That's just like a reminder. <laughs> um, another strategy thing to talk about chain reactions. So In the tournament that I played, we got killed by a really deadly chain reaction. I think there was three outbreaks or something with each other. One exploded onto the other one, which exploded back onto that one, exploded onto the other one, exploded onto both of them. It was just chaos. Um, I think it was like four outbreaks or something. No, it was a lot of outbreaks. And that was what, like, we seemed kind of safe. And then we bled. We were dead. Actually, a lot of people were dead in the tournament in that one moment. Um, So that's just like a reminder essentially to take care of the board and watch for the outbreaks like you can think one outbreak one almost outbreak is happening is, is one thing but when there's like them two of them next even three of them next to each other bad things can happen so try to watch out for that um yeah so that's my just tip on of chain reactions because that's a pretty easy way to die very quickly without realizing it and you know you can always learn the hard way that's just how board games go right um another thing talk about is research stations so when you're building a research station in a city on the map when you have it out you'll notice that there are lines connecting cities to other cities obviously that's how you move around um but also you know some cities are much more accessible than other cities so if you're going to build a city on this like small place that has like very little connections like two lines or something like that's not not very easy to get to. Um, so you need to go to the research station for various reasons. It makes it easier to fly around and also it makes it easier to, uh, that's where you have to cure and create the vaccines. So try to put them, you know, if you're deciding which city to put it in, put it in a city that has like one extra connection point if you can, um, or is like closer to a certain area, wherever it kind of makes sense. Um, Cause you know, every single action is a movement is like valuable in this game. And so you do need to be very strategic So thinking further ahead is always good instead of just in the moment. Like, oh, it's built right here. Um, And so, yeah, that's on that. Um, Do more things. So first, I'm going to talk about how the short-term and long-term strategies in the game. So in the short-term beginning, you want to focus on treating the diseases instead of getting the cure. So curing diseases is the point of the game. You want to get all four vaccines. To get a vaccine, you have to use five different cards that are the same color, which is a lot um, and then you make the vaccine. So, uh, that's pretty hard to do in the beginning. You only have two or three cards. So, um, I would don't not use that. So I think when I was in the tournament, actually the people who ended up winning, uh, and what I learned when I was playing it is that they had focused a lot, like they had spent a lot more of their cards flying around to keep the outbreaks under control and that kept them alive for when the really big outbreak happened. Um, so, If only we learned this in our real world pandemic. But anyways, uh, managing it was more important than trying to find the cure, essentially. So the first half of the game, or even like the first third or something, just like, don't worry about spending your cards to fly to whatever city um, and curing it and preventing an outbreak. Um, If you're just like hoarding all your cards, like, oh, I only need one more red card, and then you're just waiting to get that red card. It's just silly. And also the beginning game, you just don't have many cards in your hand. It takes a couple turns to build up a good number of cards, right? So you're going to get the cures later on, even if you do have quite a lot of time. So don't stress too much on that. Um, cause yeah, otherwise you're going to be wasting time being like, I can't discard any of my cards cause I'm one card away from curing it. And then you're not even helping anyone because you can't use your cards. So it is a really kind of fine balance there. Um, uh, but yeah, I say short term strategy is curing the diseases, managing outbreaks Long-term, So second half of the game is tr- actually finally trying to get the cures and, and whatnot. Um, uh, and actually this is also kind of related, but this is the last point and tip that I had for strategies is eradication. So Once you've cured a disease, you get to flip the little vaccine thing and like move it up somewhere Um, and then you can eradicate it if you would like to. Um, What that means is that when you draw a card that infection cards, it no longer goes onto the board because it's eradicated. Like smallpox, it's gone now, so like it doesn't matter if a disease comes up because no one can get sick. Um, Eradication is a lofty goal and it's very appealing But it's not crucial and you can actually waste a lot of actions and time trying to eradicate something like you'll get, oh, there's one color cube left, it's almost eradicated and then next you draw like three city, I don't know, somehow like it just gets worse and you're like, oh great, now it's no longer going to be eradicated. So obviously you still want to maintain outbreaks of ones that are cured and prevent that from happening, but like don't waste time trying to eradicate it. The game ends when you've gotten the cures, not when you've eradicated diseases. Those are the different strategies that I thought were worth mentioning. There's a a lot more tips out there, but I thought those were good ones to start with if you're just playing and also ones to kind of address if you've been playing for a while, and you never really thought about like the short and the long-term strategies, which I had not thought of until I played the tournament and I got totally whooped. Um, <laughs> that's it. I hope that this was a fun episode for you guys. Go out there, play some games. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out Board Game Bitch on Twitter and Instagram because I have yet to make a Facebook page. <laughs> and yeah, I'll see you next time.